Hey everyone, welcome to part one of a super fun discussion regarding e-bikes. My name is Jeff Kendallweed, and I'm one half of the Kendall versus Kendall podcast team. My other co-host, Seth Kendall, is here joining us as well from Hood River, Oregon. Hey everybody, how you doing? <laughs> now, possibly even more divisive than politics or religion, e-bikes have been a very touchy subject among mountain bikers. We've noticed that many may change their opinion once they actually get to ride an e-bike on the dirt. So with that in mind, we're going to run through some of the common arguments for and against the use of e-bikes in mountain biking. On one side, for lack of a better term, but heck, it's 2020. This is the time to have an opinion, stick to it, and never change. So we're going to try and run with this and be somewhat entertaining. We have Seth, who has never ridden a real e-mountain bike. Resultantly, he's going to have to play the anti-e-bike retro grouch. Maybe he's shaving his legs. I don't know. But with that position, I'm going to guess he is shaving his legs as we speak. <laughs> On the other hand, we have me, and I have an intense taser at my disposal, and I've ridden only a few hundred miles, but probably over 100,000 vertical feet on it. I, yeah, that bike's really neat. So we're going to take our stances, we're not going to change our opinions, and we're going to argue to the end. How's that sound, Seth? Yeah, you, <laughs> you take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, neither one of us is this argumentative in real life, so bear <laughs> with us here. Um, this is going to be fun, though. So anyhow, first we're going to run through the yays of adopting e-bikes into mountain biking and incorporating them into our sport, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So uh, just to give a little bit of history, because I am the retro grouch here, uh, <laughs> you know, I would say, despite me not being one to, like, take full-on stances on these things, I, I tended to legit be anti-e-bike. Um, uh, you know, I come from originally to try and, and road riding and stuff, and it was all about, you know, watts and all that kind of stuff. Transitioned pretty heavily into mountain bike over the years. Um, you sure you want to tell our listeners that? That's I kind know, of embarrassing. I know. Hey, <laughs> it, whatever gets you back on two wheels, because prior to that, just a little backstory on me, I was pretty... Heck pretty overweight and could hardly run like a mile like Oof. without and this wasn't that long ago and I finally just got real serious about getting myself healthy because of some triathletes that I ran into and so for about four years I got real heavy into it and did college stuff with it and that's why I'm in mountain biking now is because of that. So, hey, cool. I know triath triathlons and triathletes get a lot of, uh, get made fun of a lot of, but for <laughs> me, it was the road back to dirt and to health. And so uh, yeah. I'll take it, you know? Dude, I like the way you said that. That was a, a really good metaphor, the road back to health. Yeah. So and the road back to dirt. Boom. Yeah. You should but, be a writer when you grow up, Seth. Man, if only there was like a job <laughs> at like, you know, Jensen USA creating written content. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, yeah, so cool. Uh, yeah, but uh, traditionally, um, I I have been pretty anti-e-bike, and I've spent a lot of years trail building and stuff, and so I've mm -hmm. definitely been hesitant, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But uh, my, my world of e-bikes has been pretty small. Um, it, up until recently, moving to Hood River, there's a lot more e-bike life here. Um, but that's just that gives a little bit of context that while I am not one to like take a hard stance like ah e-bikes are the worst they're the devil, huh? I am pretty anti-e-bike over the years, and uh, that's that's something that's new and evolving for me. So, all right, Fair well enough. let's dig in. 
Yeah. So first up, we have the yays for adopting e-bikes into mountain biking. And the first topic we're going to discuss is possibly increase riding access for many new groups. So I take that to mean this is going to make less of a barrier to entry for people who wouldn't currently want to get into mountain biking. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, the, the people in my life who have, have kind of been around this um, have been some of uh, the new riders uh, who's, you know, riding or, or partners who ride, you know, whether a guy or girl, their partner's been riding, has a lot of fitness, is pushing it really hard, and they want to get into it, but they want to be able to um, kind of hang or they're just concerned because, you know, the hills are big or, or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, there is the, the new riders thing. Um, well, mountain biking's a hard sport to get into. I mean, look at this. You head out from the trailhead. Everyone's like super fit and gnarly with tattoos and wearing flannels and beanies <laughs> and drinking coffee, talking about beer. Like that's a tough crowd. And then yeah, they all spend lots of time in the woods by themselves. They're not exactly as, you know, maybe as open as some other <laughs> user groups out there. And then you pedal up the mountain to go mountain biking. And that's hard. You're moving yep. yourself under your own physical ability up some kind of a grade. Usually it's steeper than you expect. Usually it's harder than you expect. There's often more bugs than you want. You usually run out of water. You Often, if you're new, you forget to even bring water. So you pedal uphill, and it's really hard. Then you get to the top, and it's time to go downhill, and it's terrifying. And then you crash, and then it hurts really bad. So you've suffered up a hill, and then you've just eaten it on the downhill, and you're, you're having fun, and you want to get into this? What? So I, I understand that argument for increasing access. Yeah. And now... You mentioned the up, and obviously, I think we all understand e-bikes assist the up. Uh, but in your experience with an e-bike, because I am coming from a, I have not ridden an e-bike. Uh, Holy well, cow! I, I've I've ridden like a towny one that my neighbors and friends oh, have. I feel like those are horrible. I'm so <laughs> against those. <laughs> so what's funny is here in Hood River, I'm so for it because everybody uses them to haul kids and mm -hmm. groceries, and like we have a ton of hills in town. Like our entire town is just built on a hillside or several yeah of them. between the gorge and the mountain it's pretty cool yeah so having a towny style cargo e-bike thing is awesome because you're like oh i'm gonna take the kids to school and you just pile them on the back and zip over to school real quick and you're yeah. not firing up your car and stuff so in that sense i'm like pro e-bike i'm like yeah let's do it um but I have not been on an e-mountain bike, um, and I haven't been on, like, a proper e-road bike either. Um, yeah, I'm it, curious about those. If, are they limited to 20, or do they do class 3, 28 miles an hour? So, um, historically, and this is all stuff I'm learning as I'm digging into e-bikes more, um, historically, they have been primarily uh, the, the class 1, 20 mile an hour Ooh. limited stuff. But... In recent years, like in the last couple, uh, that class three has been popping up and there, you're, we're seeing yeah. a lot more of that 28 mile an hour cap. On yeah. Them. Okay. So I was riding the taser to get my daughter from school the other day and I was kind of late. So I was riding on the street and I was so bummed just pedaling along at 20 miles an hour and feeling like if I was on a regular mountain bike on a smooth, flat road, mm -hmm. I would probably be going a lot faster than that. Just like in a hurry to get there because the bike was so heavy and the drivetrain wasn't as efficient. The tires are so big big. Yeah. I was like, and then when it, when you overpower those things or get over the speed limit, they're not as efficient as when they're turned off. Oh. So it Is was there like, like drag I, in the system. 
it feels like there's a lot more drag than when it is shut off. I probably should have just <laughs> shut it off and started trying to, but then you're like kind of fighting it. So uh, it didn't seem right. So I was, it wasn't that fun to ride the e-mountain bike on the street across town. So I can't imagine if it had like slick tires and everything and you could easily yep. get to 20 if that would just be disappointing or not. That's why I'm, maybe the class three might be cool for a, a cargo bike, but I'm not quite there. I don't have a cargo e-bike yet. And this discussion is mountain bikes. So yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so my question going back to this is uh, on the downhills, have mm-hmm. you actually noticed any kind of characteristics of the ride that would make a e-bike more kind of user-friendly, more confident than a standard bike going down for a new user? You know, it's like, it does kind of promote some bad riding habits because most e-bikes that you actually want to buy have quite a bit of suspension travel. And normally when you're getting a newbie onto a bike, you don't give them a six inch travel enduro bike. It's real Mm -hmm. slack and aggressive. It's heavier. It's harder to ride than a steeper angle, more traditional bike. But when it comes to e-bikes, they're usually more on the more on the bigger, more aggressive side of the spectrum. So you've got that newer rider on a bike that's more capable, more stout. And because it's heavier, it's not going to deflect off of obstacles as much. So even though they're like, it feels to them as though it can track a little bit more straight and true and almost mm-hmm. as it's more confidence inspiring. And it has the advantage of that extra suspension travel that they might not want to lug up the hill without the extra muscle. So... Yeah, But that's not going to promote good riding form and technique in the long haul. But then again, like, at what point are these people in their 40s and not really that into developing the perfect technique and becoming a pro rider one day and they're just out to have fun and they don't really care about that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm playing the worst retro grouch here because I'm trying to find positives here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but well, you guys just pretend. Um, I do wonder, too, like, you know... A lot of that, while it may promote less than stellar riding habits or whatever, I just I feel like first time riders out on their own are going to have those types of negative, uh, you know, rider things because uh, riding position and the way you attack a trail is not something that's just intuitive. You mm-hmm. have to learn it. And so I kind of go, yeah, I mean, so it might promote some bad behaviors, but eventually when they get the bug and they're fully addicted, whether they stay on an e-bike or not, they're going to ride with people who are faster and better, and they're going to learn yeah. from them to correct those. I, I don't know. Seems, seems logical to me, but... Um, <laughs> One thing that this topic didn't really... Um, that might not make sense right away, but the industry has caught on to is that new rider groups... Right now, we're seeing a huge influx of the moto community getting into yeah. e-biking. And I read Vital MX all the time, and Specialized has banner ads all over Vital MX. Intense is sponsoring the Pulp MX podcast. Specialized is heavily sponsoring the Whiskey Throttle podcast. And like those are big podcasts. I think Pulp gets like 30,000, 40,000 downloads per weekly episode. It's pretty That's much the biggest what we get. It. <laughs> I'm blown away at our numbers. Like yeah. we're surprisingly big for how few podcasts we do. Right. But yeah, um, the motor market's much more saturated with podcasts than the mountain bike one. But anyhow, so a lot of the e-bike brands have open power sports dealers and a lot of the moto guys, mountain biking hasn't like they'll ride mountain bikes and it's somewhat popular, but e-biking has been way more popular. And 
it's hard to say what the exact appeal is, but they've been the whole moto community's been a lot more stoked on e-bikes than on pedal bikes, and that's a really big community. It's hard to say the different sizes. Like some folks tell me that the bicycle industry is way bigger than the motorcycle industry, and I'm hmm. like, wait a second. Like you have guys making multi, like several guys making millions of dollars riding these in the race series yeah. for motocross and a mountain biking. Like maybe Aaron Gwynn made a million dollars once or something, and it's like one guy. Yeah. So it's like, I always thought mountain biking was smaller, but yeah, there's been a little, anyhow, the moto industry is big and they seem really keen on e-bikes and riding mountain bike trails on e-bikes. So that's one user group that traditionally mountain biking hasn't exactly won over, but now we're seeing a lot of gains with. Yeah. And I would say a lot of times those two groups are at odds too, right? Like there's, um, different trail, uh, approach in the way that they build trails, obviously, because powered machine versus non-powered and capabilities and all that. Um, but I know, like, coming from our my history of, you know, riding and building trails out in kind of the Holda Crooks area of Southern California, shout out uh, to Loma okay. Linda. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all to my LL riders out there. Um, but anyways, <laughs> uh, you know, that was a place where there's a lot of moto community out there mm -hmm. in kind of those back hills. Um, and sometimes it went well when the user groups crossed over and sometimes not. Oh, but I yeah. wonder, uh, is, the, is this influx of moto crowd on e-bikes, uh, is that a good, good thing? Like, is that going to, you know, help them to understand kind of the plight we had with sharing moto trails with mountain bikes? Or is that just going to introduce more more rowdiness. I, I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> it's always that thing of like, yeah. picturing the guy in his quad out in the parking lot doing burnouts while firing a handgun in the air and a beer hanging out of his pocket. <laughs> that was pretty much exactly it. Nailed it. Um, no, I mean, it was just like we, we would build these like jump lines and berms and stuff and we'd come back a week later and you could see clear moto like roost tracks uh, as they yeah, were, you know, again. roost and lips and stuff. And granted, I am not saying that an e-bike can do that because just to be clear, people, they can't. No, <laughs> no, no. I wish they could. I not, think a better community is where you're at now in Hood River, where it's a multi-use, like, you know, Post Canyon is multi-use moto yep. and mountain bikes. And it's from, I've only, I haven't been there in so long now, but when I was going pretty often for those Enduro races, once or twice a year, 2012 through 2015 mm -hmm. or so, I would almost never see moto damage on the more built out mountain bike trails. Yep. Because it seemed like there was enough moto trails that the moto guys didn't need to go ride those little mountain bike trails. They had their own trails that were just more purpose-built, and they would share a little bit here and there. But it didn't seem like there was a big conflict there. And I'm guessing the Loma Linda stuff is more off the map, more unsanctioned, and more yeah, free-for-all. definitely more free-for-all. And uh, it's... It's interesting because to get to the stuff that the moto guys wanted to ride, they'd have to ride kind of all around town to get to the backside. And so mm -hmm. that's why it was like riding through the mountain bike and hiking areas to get there uh, illegally. Ah. But yeah. I, I get it. Like they wanted to get to this stuff quickly. So, um, yeah, out here it's actually kind of interesting because I feel like the two groups are playing very nicely together. Uh, the other part is I actually really like the moto trails because they let us ride on those. Um, and, you know, basically the deal is you're the quieter bike. So if if they are coming, you get off to the side because they can't ah. hear you, right? Yeah. Um, 
but their trails are really fun because they <laughs> are really raw. So you ride yeah. these things and they're they're torn up and they're loose and they're rocky and chunky and but that's part of why they're awesome is they're not these like buffed out things. So anyways, I feel like we're segueing a big another bunch podcast here. for another day. <laughs> Do we have too many flow trails at our disposal? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, as a as a trail builder, it's it's a bit of a conundrum for me to like I want more users on the trail. I think that's good. Um, but only if there's like a connect, not only, but I, I feel it's really important that there's a connection to understanding the what goes into the trail community, into building trails, into maintaining them. Um, and so just adding new users without connecting that kind of thought is a little bit scary to me. Um, again, I'll go to a little story here to my um, Springfield people that uh, they're currently just getting smashed by rain in the Midwest. Like river levels are just crazy high. Uh, if you've been watching, like there's like dams breaking in Michigan and stuff. Oh, yeah. But the home trails that I had helped build over the last few years, um, I had a buddy out there and it's like full on slop out there. And you know, he off in the distance sees a person on a mountain bike riding through the trails and they're just slop. I mean, riding on them is totally not good okay. right now. Yeah, too wet. And gotcha. unfortunately, he couldn't say anything because it was far enough away that just couldn't hear it. But you just sit there going like, okay, if these people aren't, you know, adhering to kind of the protocols and the standards to keep our trails good... Like if we're just inviting more people in, I sound so elitist here. It's making me sick. It's but almost like, it's a surfer mentality coming out. <laughs> well, and there is that. I'll be honest. Uh, but you know, it's it, it's not that I don't want them there. It, it's very much that I'm protective of those trails mm-hmm. and stuff that we build, and so. I have a little bit of a hesitance in inviting new user groups without having established. Um, kind of protocols and, you know, information and all that kind of stuff there. And from the outside, I don't feel like I've seen a a large movement by the e-bike community, whether kind of more the moto side of it or kind of the mountain bikers moving into moto for trail advocacy as like a core tenant of that group. Does that make sense? We need to get the advocacy groups to just be more in supportive of e-bikes from the get-go. And that's really like, I've been all about advocacy groups for, for a couple of years now. And I think e-bikes are a great example of it can't be us versus them advocacy groups mm-hmm. against e-bikes because then it's never going to work and we're never going to be able to bridge that barriers. But once the advocacy groups are accepting of e-bikers and incorporating them better in and offering more guidance, we're going to run into less issues of miseducation. Yeah. And it, that's why I, I always thought it was important to grow the numbers of mountain biking, period, because that's how we're going to grow the advocacy groups. If we right. get more people, we'll get more. And it's so rare to find anyone who wants to deal with the red tape and bureaucracy yeah. that is advocacy. Like, that's a that's a, a very limited number of people. That's, pol- that's politics. It sounds miserable. Yeah. I don't want to do it. That's why I support them. So they can yeah. do it and I can help them <laughs> the best I can. <laughs> so yeah, if we can get some of these guys, like there's, you have to do so much more advocacy work on the moto side to get anything new open. That's so much harder than mountain bike advocacy. Yeah. If we can get those freaking gnarly advocates into the e-bike side of things, that could really help. And it's, 
you know, it's always like a bit of fear at first, but if we can do that, we can pull it off. And man, it's always a tough battle. Like we have more people, our trails will be crowded. Well, why don't we build more trails? It takes a big advocacy group to get more trails built. And that's the issue with surfing. You're limited to your beach line and that's it. Whereas Mm -hmm. with mountain biking, we're not limited to the trails we have now. We can't think like that. We need to think bigger. What can we open next? What new trail can we develop next? You don't really have that option with surfing at all. You're limited. So there's always been this history in surfing of let's close it down. No more new people. You don't live here. I'm going to throw your carburetor from your car in the ocean. Good luck getting home. <laughs> there's always been that, but we don't have that, that dilemma. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of more people as long as we keep bolstering the advocacy groups and help grow our current opportunities. That'll make it yeah. more sustainable. Now, I, I, I dig that. Like That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, one one thing that you see if you're looking at all the various groups that are out there doing advocacy is there's always a comment that rises, whether from the group itself or from within the kind of the ranks of the groups of people asking, like, do e-bikes themselves, not necessarily the users, but like e-bikes threaten our access to lands because of the nature of the bike. So, like, you know, are they causing more trail damage? Are they, um, like, getting us into, like, getting people into areas that are protected more easily? And so they're, you know, actually going to threaten our access. That sounds like a good topic for the nay list that we'll get into in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. (laughs) I'm getting ahead. Okay, we'll come back to that one. Thanks, Jeff. (laughs) Keeping me on Organization. This is the outline you put together, too. (laughs) I know, I know. Okay, so, so, so another top, another reason why we should push for more e-bike usage. Um, it'll open the possibility to get more miles in on our lunchtime hot laps, on our pre-work, when we have two hours to ride before work. Instead of doing 20 miles, we can do 30 miles. Yep. So I think it's hard to argue against being able to squeeze in more mileage. Yeah, and I saw this in real time the other day. Um, my neighbor just down the street, what up, Dan, uh, got himself <laughs> a new Trek rail i think is is the bike um i'm not real familiar with track bikes but i think it's a a rail um anyways cool looking bike you know it's got a e-motor on it i don't know some battery capacity blah 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 something (laughs) something wattage i don't know Um, (laughs) i don't know either (laughs) yeah i have no idea Um, no hate towards track it's just i I don't go there looking for yeah (laughs) i i don't know their bikes and i honestly just it's funny because people are like what size motor should i get and i'm like i don't know should you I would just say Shimano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have my Shimano shirt on under my Kitspo sweatshirt. <laughs> there you go. So anyways, I am just not the e-bike guy. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know this stuff. But um, his first day out on it, and Dan, just to give context, turned 60 last year, I believe. Cool. So uh, older gentleman and, um, you know, has uh, has had a historically fit life, but had some issues with his heart recently. And so... Uh, you know, he was just like, I think I got to jump on this e-bike thing. And this is one of those places where if you had told me that anyone deserved an e-bike, you know, five, six, seven years ago, something like that, I would have been like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. But now seeing him being like, hey, man, like, I want to keep doing what I've been doing. Like, I'm softening on this. But um, the point is, is his first day out, he rode 20 three miles and 3,500 feet of elevation. And he did it in the time span of what a normal ride would be for him that would probably be more along the lines of like 
12 to 15 miles and half that elevation. And like, yeah, I get it, right? Like cramming more into that hot lap. You know what's good about that, too, is it means longer loops are now more easily attainable, which means you're getting out past where the hikers and runners can get to, and you're getting to less access trails, where you're going to have less user conflict. You're then dispersing your impact on the mountain over a much bigger area. Yeah, and we definitely have that for our trails out here. There is is the close-to-home trails that are within about a eight-mile radius of start. Mm-hmm. And those by far are the absolute most packed trails, the most used. Yeah. Um, and if you get out to the other stuff, I mean, you can ride for hours without seeing another person. Um, so there's trails that I legit haven't seen because they're just farther than I'm, I can ride in the given time I have. Um, or I have to shuttle and I love shuttles, but I don't do them that often. Like it's hard to arrange all the buddies, especially COVID times, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think for the last fifteen years, I've been saying I don't love shuttles. <laughs> yeah. Usually, Sea Otter in April is my first time shuttling after the whole winter. Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's kind of nice, and I'll have to deal with pedaling up. And then I stand in line, stand in line, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I could pedal up, and I'd be there in the same amount of time. Yeah. So out here, like for us, we have a bunch of fire roads, so it's usually we'll get one friend's truck and you know drive everybody up and then we'll leave another truck at the bottom but still that's a big hassle because then you're yeah. like doing the laps and loops and whatever and so yeah i i generally retro grouch just... understands our positive point for yay e-bikes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get it in fact uh, actually if you go to norco's site right now um and click on their e uh, their e-bikes they're slogan is like uh this summer's chairlift or whatever because like nice all the you know basically all the parks are closed i think we've only seen like angel fire and snow summit are open but everything else i think is closed so like yeah i get it right you know get your downhill laps but without having to ride a chairlift I would love to see more downhill bike style e-mountain bikes because that's like I see two uses for e-mountain bikes. Yeah. And like they're kind of very different, not necessarily exclusive, but one of them is self-shuttling up very steep climbs and then Mm -hmm. charging down essentially downhill runs. And so you don't need to rely on a shuttle vehicle. You do want a downhill bike components on the bike for that type of a usage. On the climb up, it's so steep, you might actually want that steep seat tube angle. So that's a very legit usage. Pedaling up, like I've got trails like that close to home that I do ride on the e-bike. Instead of going three miles an hour and suffering up the climbs, I'm going seven miles an hour and still suffering. But I'm going twice as fast up, so I can do a lot more laps. So that kind of an e-bike, there's still a lot more room for development. But then at the same time... There's a lot of mellower, flatter, rockier trails that are just miserable to ride on a standard bike. And yeah. the e-bike that would do well on those needs to have the slacker, seat tube angle, maybe a little steeper head tube angle, a higher bottom bracket so you can pedal through more of the chunk and use the motor for handling. Whereas the downhill bike style, you're going faster than 20 for a lot of the rides, so you don't really yeah. need to use the motor. for. So it's very different applications, and we haven't seen the split in e-bike genres yet, so... Yeah, anyhow, when it comes to self-shuttling, I think self-shuttling as a genre might help us get more towards that rad E downhill bike that I want. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think that if, if we're going to have these in our world, that makes sense. Um, I, I struggle a little bit more on some of the other 
e-bikes. And again, we're a mountain bike podcast, but I, I do want to, you know, dabble on the does e-road and e-gravel make sense? And I saw a thing the other day on how what's that new um, that new uh, cycling tips or whatever that pink bikes doing? Yes, cycling tips. Yeah, cycling tips. I saw that they had an article on do gravel e-bikes make sense. I did not read it because it had e-bikes <laughs> in the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Living See, up to the retro crouch name. Good job. Yeah, I'm impressed. Work it out. <laughs> so, um, but I saw that it was there and I was like, huh, yeah, no, they don't. But again, as I, <laughs> as I work out this argument in my head of yeah. like seeing more, yeah, I, you know, instead of having that 40 mile ride, maybe it's a 70 mile ride or something, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. I, yeah, I think uh, I, 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 I can truly appreciate the ability to see more miles, do, you know, bigger laps um, or cram more into the time that you have. Um, yeah. So, again, I, I can tell you that my extent of spending time on an e-bike is grabbing my neighbors. Um, he has a, a, a Levo, um, okay. which, by the way, like one of the prettiest e-bikes out there like that thing's really good looking almost looks like a normal mountain bike which so but. i don't even like i live and work in the mountain bike industry specialized has like i don't understand the canevo the levo the turbo i don't understand what those like what bikes those are how are they different which uh, one is the levo the the stump jumper cross-country e-bike with like that's super light the 38 pounder Yes, and I would say it's probably more a little bit on the like trail, almost all mountainy side. I think because okay. again, I grabbed and it. And is from the Canevo his... their like one eighty travel coil shock enduro version? I think so. Yeah, Let's, I'm actually gonna just uh, bring this up because now I'm curious. <laughs> um, Does Jensen he... sell specialized at the Corona store? Um, so we currently don't. Okay. Uh, but we are, you know, always looking for opportunities and stuff there. We do gotcha. sell specialized um, components and parallel, all it that is. kind okay. of stuff. Okay. So, and we can sell that online. Um, I used to really like the specialized tires back in the day, and I haven't ridden them since then, but they were really good. We actually spec'd them on Ibis bikes for a couple of years. They were so good. Yeah. Um, they've, they've definitely got some amazing products and stuff. Uh, you know, like, I, I haven't ridden a specialized since two thousand and. 12. I had a downhill bike from them, which I loved. It was fantastic. Demo um, Ocho. Yep. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I haven't ridden a bike from them in a long time, but I hear great things. And this bike, the, the Levo, yeah, the Levo SL is like, yeah, 38 pounds. I'm okay. Looking, yeah. That one does look like a normal bike basically. Yeah. And it does look like the Canevo. That's a, a you know, dual crown, um, like long travel, get rowdy downhilly sort of thing. And then the, gotcha. let's see, I'm trying to see, I don't know where the knee or the, uh, the other one is, but, but yeah, this thing looks, you know, pretty awesome in real life. It actually does look like a, a lot like an e-bike and basically what they did is, or sorry, as like a real mountain bike, but basically what they a did real is real mountain bike. <laughs> I mean, jab, jab, jab. <laughs> <laughs> like, wh what are we calling it, right? Uh, yeah. I don't, analog, acoustic, analog. normal, <laughs> pedal. I like pedal bikes. That's what the moto guys say when they talk about bicycles. This yeah. is a dirt bike. This is a pedal bike. Yeah. 
this is a, um, a human-powered bike, although e-bikes are partially human-powered, you know? Um, but yeah, it's got like a much smaller down tube. The motor is uh, shrunk. If I understand my stats right, it's somewhere around like 50% the power of a normal motor. Uh, yeah. Um, so the idea is that this actually doesn't provide you as much E as the normal e-bikes do. Um, but it's, man, like, again, my riding it down our street and back up, we have a little hill right past my house. Mm -hmm. And, like, just doing that, it felt like way more than enough assist. I mean, like, it was, like, kind of odd um, getting on it the first time. And I was like, was that full power? And he was like, oh, no, that's only, like, two-thirds or whatever. And I was just like... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and for me, coming from riding dirt bikes for a super long time, like, I've got it in full boost, and I'm pedaling, and I'm like, that's it? Really? Yeah. Are you guys serious? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's such a foreign feeling to me, you know? Like, yeah. I, I'm not a moto dude. I've, I've ridden motorcycles a few times. I, I have a little scooter, 150cc scooter, <laughs> but that doesn't count. Um but I, I guess we should do a quick clarification there just for those out listening. Um, we talked about class one and class three real briefly. Yeah. Um, there are three current classifications mm -hmm. for e-bikes. Class one basically is pedal assist, no throttle, um, uh, support up to 20 miles an hour, and then the motor kicks out. That's the designation. Mm -hmm. um, class three, we'll jump to that, is going to be um, basically the same thing, pedal assist, um, you know, no throttle. This means no thumb throttle. Um, yeah. And it'll cut out at 28 miles an hour. So that's why the, we're seeing this more with kind of the road and gravel side of things. Mm -hmm. We have not seen this really in mountain bike yet. I don't know if that'll change, but we'll see. Um, and then class two is kind of the weird one. And that is a pedal assist bike, but you can also do thumb throttle on it. And is that limited, limited to 20 to miles an hour? 20? Okay. Yeah, and yeah. they don't have to be pedal assist. I'm pretty sure class two can be throttle only, limited to 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so my daughter's little Razor yeah. MX350 that I got her is technically a class two e-bike because it has a throttle. And okay. the gutless yeah. little thing can barely hit 15 miles an hour. So, yeah, we fit in class two. Woohoo! Doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no, there you go. Like trails are either open to class one e-bikes or no e-bikes. No one has a trail open for class two or class three, so... Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So on that note, um, I was just watching the Stasic um, little kids e-bike Instagram thing, and they had a mm -hmm. video a few days back of a kid absolutely shredding his backyard moto track. Nice. What are those limited to twenty or? Like Ooh, I don't know. I really want to get a Stasic. I was emailing them for a while last fall. I don't know if they have a limit or what. They're pretty small motors, so I don't. And I've heard that they are not as powerful as like the Razor that I got my daughter. Interesting. But okay. I, I don't know. I, I have zero firsthand experience. Dude, this video, the kid was flying. Like I was just like, and maybe it just looked that way because it was a backyard track. But like, I think like, they're low on torque, but they have enough wattage or whatever. So I think if it's like grassy and soft dirt, they mm -hmm. can't go very fast. But if it's hard pack and really smooth then they can get going quick. And my daughter's okay. little thing will totally on the grass. It's like struggling. And then yeah. on the street, you're flying. So there's, they really take, they really need that torque 
that's, that's pretty more significant than this the straight wattage. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Here I am learning. And now it's funny. After watching that video, I did go to my wife and go, "Hey, I may need to hit my buddies up at Stasic and see about getting one of these for my kid." So I'm anti e-bike, but I think I want one for my kid. So. <laughs> Yeah. I want one for Evelina because she struggles to... Well, I really want a pedal assist e-bike for my daughter because she's 30 pounds. She's starting to yeah. pedal up hills. She can kind of pedal up the street to our house. It's a struggle, though, and it's not very yep. steep. And off-road, she's like getting off and hiking on the smallest of things, and it makes it yep. kind of miserable for everyone because she wants to keep up. She can't keep up at all, and it's like not even that big of a hill. And like yeah. on her little run bike, she could run up it, but to pedal up it, it's still like... Yeah. hard and that's and now the pedals are in the way of her pushing too yes so. exactly so if yeah. she had a little e-assist it would help so much yeah so i know Stasic would help in that but then she can't pedal at all and i know she loves pedaling and she wants yeah. to go fast and have it light so i know orbea has a 20 24 inch 20 inch i can't remember it maybe even both um called the emx that's a huh. mountain bike pedal assist thing unfortunately currently we can't get those in the u.s <laughs> I hear they're working on that. Um, That's how you know it's really cool. If you can't get it in the U.S., it's got to be sweet. (laughs) So, And it's funny because me being anti-e-bike, again, when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, that'd be so rad because right now, like I took my kid on his first like legit mountain bike uh, the other day. Congratulations. It was it was awesome. My wife dropped us off. We did some stuff around our local like kind of skills park area that's there called family man and then we went out on a track that's relatively low grade climbs um called eight track and we took that out and then back to um, the skills area and then from there i think it's about a two mile or so descent of single track with like you know for me fairly smooth trail um Mm -hmm. but for him on 16 inch wheels Like, there was some legit rowdy stuff. You know, you kind of, like, forget, like, oh, this isn't just small stuff when the tire is so small. Um, But anyways, I was thinking about, like, man, that was so fun. I would love to have him on an e-assist bike that he could motor up with me and, you know, ride back down and we wouldn't be reliant on that car. Because if we had tried to ride that, there's just no way his single-speed geared thing so <laughs> um can you ride and well an e-bike allows you to ride and tow your kids so I'm, i have never actually tried towing my daughter with the e-bike she hates being towed with the pedal bike so i'm assuming the oh, e-bike's gonna be way too powerful and we were actually gonna try that for the first time this afternoon to bring my sister whose birthday is today some brownies nice yeah so i'll have to get back to you on that <laughs> yeah fair enough um I know I've had some buddies who have done whether the towy or a trailer bike or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, you did your ride with Evelina on the Mac ride seat. Um, yeah, I've done that a lot. Like, That's been really cool. I think just that ability to offset the additional weight is definitely something that has me intrigued. And, you know, it's funny. I, I talk to my wife about this a lot um, that I... Like, I, I've been tempted by an e-bike several times, but I always come back to the, yeah, but not for me. Like, you know, <laughs> and the kids part gets me closer to it, I think, than just about anything mm-hmm. else because of that ability to pop 
Ethan on to that right now. Um, and, you know, we could use our shotgun seat or we have a trail bike and like, yeah. how cool would that be? Um, it's a lot more enjoyable than the standard pedal bike and you can go up some steep stuff and you're just like hanging out chatting and you yeah. can pedal as hard as you want on an e-bike. If you want to get as good of a workout as you get on a regular pedal bike, go for it. Pedal as hard as you can and it'll, it'll match you and you'll just get there a little bit quicker. Yeah. And especially I, on a geared bike, you can just pick a harder gear if you want, you know, totally. like, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it, like, I always kind of wonder like how long Am I, like, once my kid is of what age do I start going, okay, I need to sell my e-bike then, and, uh, or I'll would no I even do have that? an excuse for this darn bicycle I enjoy so much. Right? I can't, I can't, I can't be retro grouch and just say it's just because my kids, it's for my kids. Lots of people do things um, like that. You'll be fine. I know, I know. So, uh, I think... Like, there's definitely a temptation for me there, and one that I don't, I honestly don't think I would have if I didn't have kids. Like, yeah. I, I, on a personal level, I'm curious about e-bikes because I want to know and understand and experience it, but I'm also curious about moto bikes, and that's not a part that I'm ever going to take, take part in. You know, it's not a thing I'm going to do. Not because I'm against moto, I just... You know, it's not for me. And -hmm. that's kind of where I'm at with e-bikes. But the kid thing definitely throws a loop in all of it, you know. Like our school, even on on an e-mountain bike, our school for Ethan is only like uh, three quarters of a mile away. Oh, wow. But it's like just far enough that walking is like, you know, it's a thing. And we'd have to plan around that. Whereas uh, if we had an e-bike, it would be rad even if it was a... Uh, mountain bike to just throw them on the shotgun seat or the trail bike and just like rip up there real fast, drop them off, not have to start any cars, not, Mm -hmm. you know, have to plan a whole long ways in advance. Cause (laughs) that's the other thing. Our kid's school starts at seven 30 this next year. Okay. That is, that is not ideal. I am not at full function at that hour. (laughs) Just, just so we're all clear. I am not an early morning riser. (laughs) I I like to slowly work into things with a good large cup of coffee. That's funny. I was up at like quarter after five this morning on the bike just before 6am. I've had a two and a half hour ride this morning and was having breakfast with the family by 830. Oh man. I function at like 12% at that hour. So yeah, no, well, you've got I, a young I, baby in the house. You're not sleeping very well. Uh, yeah, I'd love to blame it on that, <laughs> but he's actually really good about oh, wow. sleeping. Like, I just, I've never been a morning person, and it's just, like, and it's funny. I don't get up late. I'm, you know, up by 6.30 or 7 every day, but I just, I take about three hours to warm up. Uh-huh. I'm that car that's from 1976 that you have to turn on and leave out running for, like, 15 minutes before you can drive it. That's me. <laughs> Retro grouch, so, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I do a lot better if I get to exercise or something I'm really looking forward to. So I am yeah. way more awake as soon as I've been pedaling for ten minutes than if I slept two more hours and I'm just hanging out indoors. Yeah. But anyhow, anyone's everyone's different. Cool. There's one point on our list of topics for today about how e-bikes can make impossible climbs and features possible, and I, you know. I, I almost kind of disagree with that one on okay, okay. really steep logging roads, like, you know, 20, 25% grades, like where you're pedaling up at three miles an hour and then you can go seven or whatever. Like, yeah, those go from being like borderline possible to like not a big deal. But when it's like impossible climbs, like those tech climb challenges that I'm all about, yep. 
Yep. I'm doing full-on sprint efforts up those, and I haven't used a power meter in a while. But back when I was using a power meter, it wasn't that rare to see like a three-second burst hit 16, 1800 watts. So e-bikes cut out at 750 watts. So when I'm trying to yeah. do those punchy climbs, they literally cut out on me, and then it's a heavy, like very heavy, 20 pounds heavier bike that I want that's not as efficient as I want. So I've actually had a tough time, and that's with riding Shimano motors. I, maybe the, the Bosch motor has more torque and doesn't cut out the same way. And maybe the yeah. Bros motor, motor, same thing, maybe the Specialized. I don't know. But the Shimano motors I've tried work awesome. They actually ride really well when they're turned off. I've yeah. heard they're much more efficient than the others. But yeah, I thought I'd be able to do more impossible climbs with the e-bikes. And truth be told, I can do more impossible climbs on an analog bike than an e-bike. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and on that Taser, what are we, compared to a similarly spec you know, bike of your collection, what kind of weight difference are you seeing? 20 pounds. So the Taser is really light for an e-bike. It was 49 pounds, and I pulled it out of the box with the stock everything, and that was a solid bike. I didn't really want to swap a whole lot of anything out. Sounds light. <laughs> 49 pounds, right? <laughs> hey, your, one of your downhill bikes, I'm sure, back in the, the early days is probably around that. My Demo 8 was like oh, yeah. 42 pounds and I was stoked on that. So 49 oh, yeah. when it has that extra 750 watts on tap, it's not bad. Yeah. But then like a, a, that bike as a regular non, as a pedal bike would probably be 29, 30 pounds. So it's about a 20 yeah. pound weight disadvantage. Okay. I yeah. noticed 20 pounds. Like my Which, camelbacks are usually 10 to 15 and I noticed that on those climbs. Yeah. And when you're trying to do like uh, your little tech moves mm -hmm. and you know, uh, all the, all the stuff I can't do where you're like, <laughs> wheelie drop in pick it i don't know all that stuff you do i don't even know what it's all called but trialsy types moves an extra 20 pounds probably really affects that so it's noticeable yeah especially when there's a uphill component when it's just flat it's not a big deal it really it's not but when it's uphill yeah. that's you you notice it the most then now here's my thought is because uh, as we maybe alluded to at the beginning of this i'm gonna go out and spend some time on some e-bikes luckily my neighbors are real nice dudes mm -hmm. and they're gonna let me spend some time on some bikes um because I can't quite bring myself to invest in one yet. <laughs> but uh, They're kind of hard to resell because you can't ship them unless you can pull the battery off and ship it without a battery. But then batteries are like $500 plus. So yep. they're tough on the used market. Anyhow, so yeah. sorry I interrupted there. I, I'd be selling local for sure. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that would just be the case. Um, but yeah, like I wonder because I am not the same level of writer as you. Like I... I, I tend to be a good writer, mm -hmm. but like I just don't have all those like techie moves and hops and all that kind of stuff. That's not my forte. Um, I wonder if if I would feel that same drawback in trying to make impossible climbs for me. You know, oh, I don't um, know. like because I am just trying to just mash at something. Would it? Would it? work out better i don't know but it we're gonna find the nature out because i'm gonna climb. try if it's just like a steep loose off camber thing but not crazy steep and it's sustained so yeah. we're talking like 25 percent grade like oh maybe but it's gonna really suck and i hope i've got a big tire in yeah. that case they definitely make it from very very tough maybe to oh yeah we got that yeah but when it's like you're hopping over a log and then jumping up a little rock ledge punching up this little thing that's yeah. when you're it's no 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 no. fair enough yeah i went out for a ride um after that ride with my kid i actually um was getting picked up by my wife to you know get taken back to the house um and my neighbor with the trek rail uh 
came off of one of the other trails to where we were at and was like, oh, hey, do you want to go do a lap? And I was like, oh, sure. So he's on his e-bike. And uh, like the cool part was, is he let me lead. So I set the climb pace and everything. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't like just chasing him. Um, But we did run into some other guys at what I thought was the end of our ride. And they had this idea that they were going to go ride a trail that's like, I don't know, you basically have to climb exactly from where you're at straight up to this high point. And um, there is kind of a way to get there that's kind of a meandering climb that's still tough, but it's just not as steep of a grade. And they were like, oh, Dan, since you have an e-bike, let's go up this other way. And I was like, what other way? And I basically was demoralized. I did make the climb, <laughs> but my legs were already shot from the rest of the ride. And like, oh, man. I legit had to keep just telling myself, don't get off your bike. Don't get off your bike. Cause I was dying and you would turn a corner and you're like, okay, this has got to be the top. And you turn the corner and it would pitch up another degree or so and go for another hundred feet. And you're just like, oh my goodness, this is killing me. But look, but it just even the playing field. So you're riding with your 60 year old neighbor that otherwise you would never go mountain biking with. Yeah. So like, and it did for sure. Um, but even, I'm not sure it was that either because like, so I descend faster than him, mm-hmm. um, not by a ton, but, you know, I'm a little faster and stuff. And he wasn't keeping up any better there because, like you said, at 20, it, it cuts out. So that wasn't much of a benefit. But, like, on this climb, he made the climb in half the amount of time I did at least. I mean, we didn't measure, but, like, wow. for sure half. And, like, was up there, like... I I don't know, eating a goo or something like that, and like just chilling out while I'm still just suffer festing up this thing. Oh, man. And so it almost felt like the advantage was even more than like evening, you know, like Mm -hmm. like he had a bigger advantage. But it was really fun because normally I I have to back off on the climb from what I want to do. And on this day, like he was just right there with me and, you know, he was still breathing and still working and all that stuff, but it, it was just, you know, it was a lot easier to be there. Um, so that was actually pretty cool. Um, but I still feel like it might be cheating a little. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, should we jump into the nays for why we should not adopt e-mountain bikes and we should bury our heads in the sand and call them the devil and never, ever take them seriously? (laughs) sure let's let's do this i'm ready to get dirty (laughs) this is your Um, forte so i'll let you take it (laughs) yeah so uh you know like let's start from the beginning um in the first one we talked about new rider groups and stuff i'm like cool right like it it invites people who maybe are intimidated or challenged by the just kind of the level of writing both physically and on skill and all that kind of stuff um And kind of answer the question, like, is it a crutch for fitness? Like, are these people who are new to this group and dipping their toe into this, are they setting themselves up to kind of cap out, whereas a standard analog mountain bike requires that, you know, you earn your turns, basically. Like, are are we giving them too much of a free ride and they're just going to just, like, I'm thinking back to me when I was overweight doing this triathlon mm-hmm. thing. I couldn't hardly run. If I had gotten on an e-bike, would I have had the discipline to keep pushing further, harder, faster, all that stuff? And, 
yes. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like it Around feels here, like a lot if of you folks can... are, are mountain biking more for fun than for fitness. So you see a lot of overweight people on the trails pretty often. And it's like, if you've been here for a while, you see the same people and like, they're still rather large and it, they don't seem that concerned about it. So yeah. it seems like you could get fit on either type of bike and you could stay fairly unfit on either type. And it's like almost not like kids don't really want to push their cardiovascular limits too. like, you know, like it's a pretty common thing like, oh, come on, pedal harder, go, 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 go. And like, that's not what they find fun at all. I've never met a single kid ever that wants to exert themselves to the point that they can no longer stand up, you know? It's yeah. just like a different little mentality thing. And like something happens as we get older that all of a sudden it's fun to push the limits, you know, physically with exertion. But yeah. there's still people that they don't find enjoyment in that. And that's the cool thing about, about how e-bikes gets those folks that aren't really trying to get fitter per se. They just want to have fun in the woods. All of a sudden they're turned on to this whole thing. Yeah. And like, you know, my 55 seconds of riding a, an e-bike <laughs> on my street, um, the first thing that I did was to like, one, just get a feel for it. And then two was to do two laps at our hill, just seeing what the difference between the um, kind of settings of power assist Mm -hmm. did and how fast I could get up there. And normally those and like, settings are user adjustable. Normally there's an app and you can dial in how much eco has, how much trail has, how much boost has. Yeah. And, you know, I got done and handed the bike back over and I swear my heart rate was well into the hundred plus oh, yeah, range sure. and I was breathing hard and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, like maybe, maybe it's just not a thing, you know, but I, I, yeah, I just kind of wonder, like, it does it, does it inspire people to push further, harder, faster? And I, I don't know. It's I, totally different than a regular bike. So any bike can, I, I've noticed that it'll actually help you lose weight a lot faster than a normal bike because you can actually exert pretty darn hard, but you can't go full on sprint and into your red zone as easily because the darn thing shuts <laughs> off and it's limited to so much and it's so underpowered. You end up kind of in like zone three or zone four. You're not getting into your red zone, okay. your zone five, and you end up sustaining that zone three or zone four for a heck of a lot longer than you would be sustaining that higher heart rate in the higher zone. So it's not gonna work for sprint training by any means. That's why none of the pros use them for sprint training. But if you are a little bit heavy, and I've used this this past fall, I lost a whole bunch of weight by e-biking primarily. It keeps your heart going pretty fast for a heck of a lot longer than a regular bike would. Because the regular bike, you can get a lot more power out and it's great for power training. But that long distance, long, like the LSD, long, slow distance road training that folks used to do, that's yeah. what the e-bike's good for. But it's not going to help you at all with your sprint speed. So you can't yeah. just say like one size fits all. It, it has its place, but it's not, Interesting. It's not for sprints. <laughs> Yeah, and I know uh, in one of the videos I was watching, uh, Aaron Gwynn specifically um, noted that kind of idea as part of why he e-bikes is mm -hmm. one, he just said it's boring to ride road. Um, and so he just didn't want to do it um, for his recovery days. But uh, he he was saying that like basically he is able to stay in that kind of ideal heart rate for longer times yeah. on a recovery day. Uh, plus he's riding a mountain bike. Well, for so him, it's a recovery day, but for one of us that works behind a desk most of the time, it's like, that's our yeah. chance to burn some calories and actually get fit. 
Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it, the, I think the idea still applies. So um, it is kind of interesting to see how many downhill riders are, like, real into the e-bike thing. Um, and it, it, it makes sense, I think, <laughs> you know, like the... It always felt weird seeing mountain, like uh, downhill mountain bikers riding road bikes as their recovery days because it always felt like that thing they had to do but not that they wanted to do. Um, and th this is coming from a guy who I actually like a good road ride. You yeah. know, I, don't, I don't mind road riding at all. But, um, yeah, just interesting to see that that's kind of taken the place of their recovery day road rides. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Man, I really wish we'd get this separation of the downhill e-bikes from the trail e-bikes being a little bit more dialed because, yeah. man, it'd be such a good training tool to have that downhill style e-bike where you pedal yourself up the hill and the mellow heart rate, zone three, zone four, you know, you're, you're staying very fit and active. Like someone like me would totally burn calories in the climbs, but then completely disconnect the motor on the way down so you can actually sprint and not have it be super gnarly yeah. inefficient. So, oh, that would be awesome, but ah, yeah, it's got to be a yet. full disconnect on that motor, I think. Yeah, um, I don't know. So, and it, it makes sense too for the downhill application, especially because like it's all about getting that low center of gravity, and weight isn't as big of a deal on those bikes, and so you could get away with having the motor and not, you know, like negatively affect the characteristics of the bike as much, right? Like, cause we're not aiming for lightweight. Um, so we're I think aiming for above 20 mile an hour ride speed for the yeah. most part and occasionally sprinting out of a corner for your sprint stamina or whatever, your sprint interval yeah. training. That would be a cool setup. I don't know if anyone's going to make that bike, but I, I'd buy one. Yeah. You know, I think it probably will happen once the e-bike is more established in the masses. Right. Like because like downhill bikes currently just they're not a big moneymaker for the bike industry. Right. Like we all love watching downhill Unless you're racing. Santa Cruz and you're selling tons and tons of V10s. There are there are exceptions. Yeah. But have you been you to know, Whistler recently? I mean, it's kind of mind boggling how many of those there are up there. No, for sure. And there is a market for it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's a lot. Uh, like, there's a reason that brands are spending so much time on these kind of trail, all-mountain, enduro-y kind yeah, of Yeah, that's the bread bikes, and butter, right? for sure, for sure. It's the bread and butter. Um, Those are selling but, in the thousands as opposed to downhill bikes that sell in the hundreds. But I think, like you said, the moto side coming across probably would dig on your version of a downhill bike, the full disconnect, all that kind of thing, Uh Probably more so than a trail bike, right? Like, Dude, I don't uh, know. Those guys, like, from reading their stuff on the forums, like, they they like the exercise component of it. And then on a motocross, like, a lot of them, I'm more of a trail rider than a motocross guy, but I love a good motocross track at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, the motocross guys, they might kind of be into that, but, man, they just like going out and not worrying about anything and the simplicity of the e-bike ride. So I almost think they'd enjoy the trail bike style a lot. Currently, a lot yeah. of the Supercross yeah. dudes are more into cross-country mountain biking than enduro stuff. And Maybe 
they've got all their uh, their adrenaline fix already. From oh all yeah, yeah. There, stuff, there's so. minimal adrenaline for their appeal to mountain biking, which is kind of yeah. interesting. It's fun. They just see it as pure fun. One thing that we didn't really touch about in the in the intro to this, which I kind of wish we should have, is that e-biking isn't really like a whole separate thing. It's just a different genre. Because you can right. make a yeah, lot yeah. of these arguments for single speeds. You can make a lot of them for full suspension bikes. I remember in like 2000 when free ride bikes became a thing with, oh my gosh, 75 millimeters of rear travel, 100 yep. millimeters up front. This is going to ruin mountain biking. We'll be going way too fast on the downhills. We'll be kicked out of every trail network. And sure enough, like now bikes have, yeah. So yeah. e-bikes are kind of just a whole different genre and it's hard to look at it that way. When you experience it, you notice it's, it's mountain biking, but it's also different. It's kind of its own thing. So it's hard okay. to, to look at it the same mentality of, you know, how does this compare to my trail bike? Well, it, like, how does your gravel bike compare to your trail bike? It's kind of more of a whole yeah. separate thing like that. Yeah, which I did get out for a ride on my gravel bike with a couple of mountain bike dudes the other day and had an absolute hoot trying oh, yeah. to take that thing down our trails. How many flat it's, tires did you get? None. And nice. I was surprised because <laughs> I, at the very end, there was something, there's like um, a series of kind of just like whoop things that you can kind of scrub, you know, and they're they're super fun, but like not technical, not rocky or anything. But I found what must have been like one of six rocks on the entire thing and just pinged my rim so hard. I was certain that I had a flat. And but instead, good? like rim is fine. Like big props to old i9. Uh, it's the Trail 24 rims. So they're oh, like narrower and everything. Yeah. Well, that's um, wide for a gravel bike. 24 mil in or width. Yeah, yeah, and they work amazingly. Um, I've got them paired up with a set of 45C tires, and uh, it's nice. awesome. Um, but anyways, like, yeah, I I was, like, I pinged this rim hard, and so I actually stopped right before I got to the end of the trail and, like, looked at it, made it sure everything was good. Rim is dead true, no, no bends in it, nothing. The tire looks fine. I was blown away. But, yeah, I was still trying to, like, jump and do stuff, and uh, it was fun, but... I got on a mountain bike not too many days later that my buddy uh, let me borrow. I actually was on an older, intense carbine. Um, oh, cool. That, it was a size large, but what's funny is the size large, even though I wouldn't normally ride that size, fit really well because it's like a modern-day medium. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. And that bike was super fun. Like, I had a blast. Um, so it made me go, man, I really need to get my new bike. Uh, so it's it's coming though. Uh, <laughs> it, it should be here. The Occam showed up yesterday. Congratulations! Then, you guys got the uh, M10 Occam. We got the M10, and we That's did it. Such with a the, good deal. It's only retail. It's only fifteen hundred bucks more than the aluminum one that has the thirty-four and a DPS. For fifteen hundred more bucks, you get a thirty-six fork, you get a DPX two shock, and you get a carbon frame. That is yeah. the one to get. It's it's pretty legit and like man the spec on it's nice and everything so I'm excited to get out and try it. Um, our trail should be dry enough this weekend so nice. Uh, yeah, gonna, gonna give it a go. But um, so l let's get back to e-bikes. Sorry, dive, getting uh, distracted here. Um, but yeah, like uh, we touched on earlier the the idea of like the fitness thing. Mm -hmm. But one thing that people bring up with some frequency is like the cheating Strava doping thing. And I know that you can mark an e-bike ride, but like, is there anything, I mean, like, does that, I feel like there's something 
to it, right? Like, is is it cheating? Is it actually cheating? Cause well, it's like, fake racing. I mean, you go on one day and it's hard pack and all of the trails rolling super fast. You go the next yeah. day, it's rained an inch and it's super slow. So it's not day to day. And anyone who races things know that the, how much your course can change is super significant. So I don't know. As a lifelong yeah. racer, I, I've always called Strava fake racing. So... I could never really take it too seriously, so I'm not concerned about people having faster uphill times on their e-bikes or even downhill, whatever. And I think I think that makes sense too, because like there's a section Mitchell Ridge uh, here that I definitely know that I'm in the top groups of guys, you mm-hmm. know, riding. Um, and one day I was like, man, how is this person a full minute faster than me on a course that I'm doing? And I think it's like three and a half minutes or something like oh, that. Wow. They were they were like a full minute. And I was just like, I get that there's faster people. Mm-hmm. I'm not arguing that. But like I am mobbing to the point where my my tires are having a hard time gripping <laughs> even on grippy days, right? Um, and I know I, I still give that other people can ride it faster, but a full minute is like crazy time. And yeah. so finally one day I jumped on Strava just to see like what was I missing? And the old course of Mitchell was basically a straight shot that skipped an entire new section that Ah. meanders back and forth through a bunch of switchbacks. See, fake racing. And so (laughs) I was like, oh, you know, and so this record from like 2012 or something stands as the course record or the segment record. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of interesting to, to see that. So like, yeah, Strava doesn't really matter, but I just know that's, that's some, it matters to some people and <laughs> I, I don't know, like, I don't really care. And uh, I don't know if you've followed, but Strava's taking some heat right now, but so it may not be relevant for much longer. Yeah. I'm not a fan um, of having all of our not on the map trails show up on this heat map. So every land manager, so every, you know, whoever yep. can go and find them. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough, enough, fair enough. Now, uh, we did touch on um, do e-bikes make or or cause more trail damage or are they causing any potential risk to our access of lands? And this is actually a place where I think you probably have a better uh, understanding of this than I do. Um, you've, You've done a little more digging on it and stuff. I... I just don't know. Like I yeah. don't I don't see anything on the trails out here that makes me go, okay, yeah, they're causing more damage. But is that unique to our area and our trail? I think just traffic or? numbers in general. Like if you have a hundred people on horses, a hundred people hiking, and a hundred people on bikes, regardless, it's gonna thrash a trail. So it's just more traffic will always destroy the top surface layer, break it down, get the dust coming up and mangle things. So the difference is e-bike, yeah, it's it's a little bit heavier, but at the same time, like, do we not want fat people riding mountain bikes because they're going to tear up the trail? No, we'd never say that. So, yeah. And, and then the torque is so little that I don't think it's that big of a deal. If something is crazy steep that the e-bike can pedal up it pretty comfortably and throw a little bit of roost, maybe it would slightly damage it, but it's... It's so little. The access issue in terms of an old school land manager saying, oh, I don't want motors on my trail. Well, the easy fix to that is to get them on an e-bike and go out for a ride with them. Take them out on a regular bicycle, then on an e-bike so they can see the exact difference and understand that there are some federal regulations requiring that the class one bikes not have 
any kind of crazy power, what's currently available yeah. at bike shops, because you can't buy a class three mountain bike really anywhere. No one makes one because there's nowhere to ride. It doesn't make any sense. The whole industry is actually followed along very closely with the class one regulations. And it's it kind of makes sense. So if you here in on Galbraith, for instance, I know the land manager is not necessarily opposed to e-bikes, but it's such a big decision. It's taken them a little while to right. figure out what to do. They don't want to do it wrong and have it bite them in the long haul. But it's not an impossible thing per se. But it's really if you yeah. can kind of whenever you get somebody on an e-bike and they ride it and they're like, oh. Oh, it's not yeah. that big a deal. That's like that's why it's so cool to have a follow-up episode and see if anything changes. I don't think you're going to totally change your position. I think you need to spend like a couple months riding it in a ton of different places to really see yeah. if it makes sense or not. I have an e-bike and I I don't ride it nearly as much as I should because I like my pedal bikes so much. But yeah. that's also the trails that I have to ride. They're so fast. The e-bike is well. They also don't allow e-bikes, and I don't want to be that guy. And I don't think they're they're so fast. I don't think the e-bike would be that great on the trails that I ride the most often. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, for the Hood River area, I think the decision was fairly easy on our part because our lands are mixed access. So there is moto and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. So I think, it, you know, I, I may be speaking out of turn here a little bit, but if my understanding of the history is, is correct, it was actually a fairly easy decision. But we're seeing a lot of places that aren't uh, into e-bikes, uh, like Sandy Ridge over mm. in Sandy, Oregon is one. Um, and that one actually makes me sad because that's the one place that I look at and go, I would love an e-bike there because they have the lamest like road climb ever that's to like, get to the top of the trails. With all the logging trucks and it's like half paved, half gravel. Yeah. So, and at this point, the logging trucks are all done oh, there. Okay. Um, so it's, it's basically paved all the way to the top or at least to where the current trails go to. But it's like, I think it's like four mile climb or something <laughs> like that. And it's slow and boring. And the mm -hmm. day that I rode it, I was just riding alone. And I really liked all the, um, the downhill trails, but because it was all new to me, I took some trails that I kind of regret taking because they weren't what I was looking for and you lose elevation so fast that I was having to climb basically, you know, the majority, if not all of the road back up. And so by the time I had done that road four times, I was just like, I want to punch this thing in the face. <laughs> but on an e-bike, I would be like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, and especially I actually think about like the downhill version of bike you've dreamt up here. And I go, that would be rad. Like yeah. those trails are ideal for that kind of thing. Um, I think it's still so get boring. It, it, you know, that's a pretty mellow gradient road. So, but yeah, hey, yeah it'd be fun. And that's a no e-bike zone, right? Yeah, no e-bike there. So, and I think these things will change as time goes and, you know, land managers kind of get more information, more And e-bikes will change too. That. It's still gen one for the whole e-bike thing. Yeah. And like, you know, we look at Europe and stuff like that. And while there's a large e-bike adoption, it's still very much in its infancy yeah. there. It just was faster adopted than what we're seeing here in North America. So yeah. um, now, do you think uh, do you think there's any risk we have for hacking of the software of e-bikes? Um, because right now we do have all these limitations of yeah. motor power and all that kind of stuff, but it is a piece of technology. So could that be a, a problem? I looked into this a little bit cause I wanted to make the taser go faster. I wanted to be that guy. 
And there's like, yes, there is a way to hack it. And it's very hard to purchase that device that you need to hack it. Okay. A lot of the big, like MTBR deletes every single thread that covers the info on this. And any, you know, any US-based forum is going to make it really hard to have those yeah. the info published or whatever. But it's kind of interesting. I was reading the actual reviews of this thing, and it was like 250 bucks. And it just re removes that 20 mile per hour limit. You don't actually have okay. any more power. And my personal experience, where are you going to be able to get that bike on the, on the climbs? You can't get it anywhere close to 20 miles an hour. So you wouldn't right. gain anything on the climbs. Then on the downhills, I guess you could go from, you know, having a slow bike that's you're hitting 22, 23, maybe 27 if it's super steep. Once in a while, people tell me I'm crazy that I rarely, you know, that they've, they've seen 30 miles an hour on their e-bike off-road. Well, what do you do? Like, so this, you remove the speed limit and now it can pedal, but are you really going to be pedaling on a trail that fast and sustaining it that long? The bikes don't have the power to validate the hacking. You would have yeah. to literally replace the entire motor and all the batteries and everything. And there's, there's not an easy way to do that. And Shimano has a way of figuring out if you've been messing with it and it fully voids your warranty if you've been messing with it. So if you'd put that little thingy on your Shimano equipped bike to get rid of that 20 mile an hour speed limit, you would definitely be going faster on the bike path around town or whatever, which yeah. was, would cause some drama. But it's ultimately going to have a problem with the Shimano system. I read multiple reviews where it ended up after a few months, it worked for a little while, and then it started throwing errors on the Shimano software. They would go to the bike shop to get it fixed, and it would show that it had been hacked, and it fully voided the warranty. Man. And those, that's an expensive piece of equipment to replace. The battery alone is 500 bucks, and I forget the retail cost on the motor and the whole system, but it is not cheap. So there's, currently, there's not a good market for it. If someone were to make a device to really change it, you're limited because the motor is so underpowered. And yeah. the way those bikes handle, I don't think it'd be very fun to ride them a whole lot faster than that 20-mile-an-hour limit. In some countries where you're limited to 15 miles an hour, oh, goodness, that's... I wouldn't even bother with an e-bike at that point, but... yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I was pretty naive on this. Like, it seemed like, uh, you know, could you hack it and have it be the super machine? But I wish you could, but you really like can't. You. The motor just doesn't have the cojones for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as manufacturers are sticking with that, then and there's then we no as soon right. as you're like an outsider that does something totally different, you've lost the support of the entire dealer network. Like. Look at the yeah. Surron. Like they make probably the best throttle-equipped electric bicycle moto thing. And are they all over the place? No. Like they're yeah. not taking the world by storm. They don't have a good dealer network. There's not places to really ride them. It doesn't really make sense. There's a bunch of new um, federal law that is basically forcing the BLM to incorporate Class One e-bikes. So okay. this is kind of like where the whole government regulation politics thing is kind of like. That's how we make decisions as a group or whatever, like it or not. It's what we have to kind of go by. So yeah. they're in, adopting class one e-bikes. As soon as you make something that no longer follows that regulation, you've made something you can't ride where everyone else is riding things. And if you're standing out like a, like no one's gonna be able to sell a product like that in the volume you need to make it a profitable industry. Like Suron's slowly coming around here and selling bikes, but they're not like you have to go to an OHV area. They really stand out at mountain bike trails. And I've never seen... I've never seen one in Bellingham. I know people probably have them here and there, but yeah. So I'm not that concerned about folks hacking it or making one-off bikes that are a lot faster. Complete yeah. custom builds have been possible for 10 years, and it's such a, a project. It's pretty rare. 
Yeah, we actually used to have a guy come in back when I was managing one of the um, the will call location at, at Riverside. Um, he'd come in and he did custom tie frames that were based off of old retro motorcycles. Whoa. And then he would build in the batteries into like what was the gas tank, mm-hmm. you know, like in quotes there. Um, and then hook it up to various different types of motors that he was sourcing from all over and mm-hmm. whatever. But they were really cool. He um, he came from the um, airplane side of things. Oh. He was an airplane frame welder or something like that. Okay. And this the old dude with like a ZZ Top kind of beard thing <laughs> and like kind of, you know, just like real scruffy clothes and whatever. But he was so rad and he would make these beautiful e-bikes. And they were all for like beach cruising and stuff. Okay. But my lands could those things move but that's because he was building all this custom stuff and you know spending a ton of time on it um and those were full-on like throttle you weren't you weren't doing pedal assist on them so they were basically e-motorcycles but they were really cool um and he would use us to get different parts mounted and to kind of kick some ideas of how to make the system work and everything so kind of miss seeing that guy around uh i hope he's still making them but (laughs) Could be. Anyways. Um, So I guess one thing that kind of did pop up, I was talking to um, a neighbor of mine who owns a a local bike shop uh, and then another neighbor who's, you know, curious about getting into the e-bike world and stuff. And one of the challenges um, that the bike shop neighbor was uh, seeing is that, you know, e-bikes unlike your standard bike are not as easy to service just at your local bike shop. Um, that it's hard a lot to loop of the, the chain on the e-bike. Holy cow, is that a hassle? Interesting. Because you can't turn the cranks backwards and have it rotate backwards. You have to go forwards. So you're flipping your 50-pound bike upside down on the side of the road to lube it at the trailhead, or you're trying to hang your 50-pound bike off your park tool stand, and like and the whole thing's flopping around while you're trying to pedal it, and the wheel's spinning and buzzing you in the face with the knobbies, and then you got yeah. chain lube all over the place. So yeah, definitely they're hard <laughs> to work on. Yeah, and he was saying that even the motors um, themselves, if there is some sort of issue or challenge with the motor, that uh, at this point, it's sending those motors off to Shimano, Bosch, et cetera, to get them serviced. And so for me, as an anti-old grout person, (laughs) I'm actually, so I am dipping my toe into two areas that I am uncomfortable with. The first one is... um, I'm going to try e-bikes, right? We're yeah. talking about that. But the second one is I actually just ordered a HD5 with an Axis X01 group on it. So electronic shifting. And <laughs> I am very much of the mechanical bent on things. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like the cleanness of not having cables and stuff. But, man, I was telling my buddy that I already am charging my camera, my phone, my watch, my uh, GoPros, my, uh, you know, tablets, all this other stuff. Like, I just don't need more plugged in. And yet here I am because I was curious. <laughs> I wanted to see what all the hoo-ha was about. Um, so I'm going to try it Good and luck. see how it goes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Back in January, we're in Mexico, and we get shuttled up to 12,500 feet to ride this epic alpine completely custom built descent back into town. Yep. It's just so rad. And Logan has borrowed 
one one of the guys bikes and it's a S Works Enduro with the RockShox AXS or whatever the cordless yeah. battery controlled seat post. And we yep. made sure to charge the seat post before we went up there because so, it was getting pretty low on battery. So we get all the way up to the top of the mountain and then we realize the battery is still on the charger. On the charger. Uh, <laughs> and you know those seat posts do. They stay uh, up when they're out of a battery or whatever. So then we have to yeah. like cram the seat post down and he's <laughs> high posting it on this Enduro from down from altitude. That was So be careful that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, so I will say I don't have the dropper post on this build. Uh, it is going to be a bike yoke, which I've heard good things about. Haven't tried one yet. Curious. Probably good, we'll but see. it should be a PNW Rainier. I know, I know. <laughs> Those new PNWs look so slick, and man, God bless Aaron. He's such a good dude. Yeah, he's uh, solid. So, yeah, like I'm a huge fan. It's just what it came with, but I hear really good things. People about love the bike, the bike yoke. So. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, and I have actually spent a fair bit of time on various PNWs over the year and uh, put them on a lot of friends' bikes. Man, they're hard to argue with for the price. They're like, solid. They do, they do so good. And especially that new travel adjust thing. Super slick, easy, all that stuff. I dig it. Um, again, getting sidetracked. But <laughs> my point being with all this is as a person who... I, I'll take the retro grouch approach here. I like mechanical stuff. I actually like the way it feels. I've ridden the X01 access stuff once before for just one ride mm -hmm. not enough time to actually really get to understand it and to like play with it because you can um, program it and everything but on first run while it wasn't bad it wasn't enough to convince me to switch and I realize that sounds not true since I'm actually buying a bike with it but I'm buying the bike with the intent of like truly giving it a, a good thorough run through and see if I actually like it. And so for me, like I'm a little bit hesitant that, you know, I can't, I can't like diagnose electronic <laughs> stuff the same way I can diagnose a mechanical thing and, and like really figure that out. And so it feels that way with, with e-bikes too, like, you know, sure you can tune your, your fork and your rear shock, but if the motor goes out, now you're going to be without a bike for however long yeah. they have to service this thing. They're much more, then, it's a motor vehicle. It's much more complex than a regular pedal thing. And I had to deal with that. You need a key on the older Shimano equipped bikes to swap out the battery. Huh. And I kept going out and riding, expecting to burn through two full batteries. I do half my ride, pull out my spare battery that I just carried with me so far. Yeah. And I don't have my key. I can't put it in. And I'm literally yeah. stuck. Or the other thing happens, I pull out my spare battery and I forgot to charge it. I had that happen <laughs> more than once as well. So, yeah, it goes, yeah, they're much more complex. Compared to a motorcycle, they're incredibly simple. But compared to a bicycle, it's a much bigger dilemma. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's a subgenre. So, like, it's, yeah. it's not going to be, you know, that big of an issue. I think I, I haven't heard, like, crazy numbers of... of warranty issues and stuff. So I think they're, they're pretty know, fairly reliable. Yeah. Um, but I also don't have any like, you know, su super secret information that gives me like all the, the stories. So I'll be curious to see how, you know, battery lives and motor lives and all that kind of stuff play out. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, are we running into the thing of, is this like a computer that you buy and in a year it's so outdated <laughs> that like it hardly runs? I but think about the mountain know. bike you bought three years ago before the Ripmo came out. And it's like, compare that yeah. to today's bike, like the Carbine. It's a totally fine bike, but here you are one size bigger. So you, the same argument exists for 
Gosh. Yeah. And this and consumer it does. day and age for a lot of things. I will say though, that bike, I, I rode it twice this week mm-hmm. and like I was able to send a couple of jumps, but one in specific that has been kind of my white whale. Oh, it's man. this really lippy tabletop, um, not... It's not a very big jump, but it's just very lippy. And so long wheel-based, big 29er bikes have kind of been hard to jump on it mm-hmm. because by the time your back wheel is leaving, your front wheel's doing something totally different. So I would <laughs> I was always fighting getting bucked. And like I played with all my suspension settings and did a bunch of stuff and whatever. And it just always felt like I was dipping my front end no matter what. And I went out and hit this thing, and I boosted it farther, higher, deeper than I ever have. And the car and it a 27.5? This was a 29 oh, wow. and in a large. Okay. But for whatever reason, I don't know, work. suspension or whatever, yeah. it just worked. And I sent this thing and, like, dang near landed at the bottom of the transition. Like, I, I caught, like, the last, <laughs> you know, one quarter of the transition to yeah, make it smooth. Welcome to my life. It hurts. <laughs> so yeah, no, it is funny. Cause like so many of your jumps are jumps to flat, but it's because you cleared the landing by 25 feet. So happens a lot. Yeah. I remember doing That's it this morning. That's not usually my life. So, oh man. Yeah. Which if, if you guys are ever wondering, the best way to watch Jeff's bike reviews is to see whatever bike he's riding watch him jump all these things, realize that most of us are never going to do it, myself included, but that the bike is still riding after he goes and go, that must be a pretty good bike. (laughs) That's why I'm buying an Occam M10 as my trail bike, because I saw what (laughs) Jeff could do on it. That's a fun bike. I like the Occam. That thing's cool. Yeah, so like I figured if it can hold up to what you throw at it, it's going to be more than enough at, at what I do. It's so. solid. It's a good bike. It's a good choice. Yeah. Well, I think like for the most part, that's that's most of what I've got yeah. against e-bikes. And, you know, like as anti-grouch as I am, I am definitely softening to this. If you would have asked me seven years ago where my stance was, I'd basically be like, no, screw e-bikes. They're stupid. Nobody (laughs) needs them. And like, as I, as I grow and mature and change and whatever, I feel like my, my arguments are diminishing and I still very much hold by the, it's not for me. If I was just looking at me as an individual writer with no other, um, extenuating circumstances or people, any bike is not for me. It would not make my quiver of bikes. But I am opening to this as I see, um, you know, things like uh, my neighbor who is, you know, getting older and still wants to stay not not only in the sport, but relevant in the sport, like able to keep up with his friends and co-riders who he's been riding with for years, but he's now seeing more trouble in keeping up. Like I sit there and go man, it's hard to argue with that, you know? Um, I see it with my situation with kids where I want I want my kid to be more actively with me on the trails. And this is a way to even that playing field a little bit. Um, and it also makes it more fun for me, you know? So there is a selfish component there. Um, and I, I see it, um, you know, we've, we've seen a, a few 
pro level riders who have pretty been, been pretty visible with injuries and stuff like that who have used it for recovery. Um, I, I know you used it a, a little bit in your recovery this fall from your hip one. Uh, I wish um, I wish I had an e-bike to recover from the pelvis, but unfortunately, my e-bike sponsor wasn't able to get me an e-bike for uh, <laughs> the fall. Fair. Sorry, <laughs> we're working on it. Um, I was hoping to. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, it's fine. I but, actually kind of want to put a, an urban bike together with fenders for commuting and riding around and just do less car stuff. I've been doing less than a tank of gas a month with COVID going on and not traveling. It's been nice and just bike commute. Yeah. Now that's nice out. So yeah. Anyhow, whatever. Yeah. So, and like, I see it for that as well. Like, you know, in, in the town I live in now, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and that's not going to be the case for everybody because some, some commutes are just too big and, you know, too sketch to make that relevant. But there's definitely a use for grocery runs and yeah. those kind of things and getting the kids to school. And, um, you know, like I, I used to use my 150 scooter to get to and from work when I lived in Southern California. Um, I would either ride the, um, my road bike to get to work. And we had some pretty decent back roads to mm -hmm. get there that were fairly safe. Um, so I'd ride that, but it was 15 miles. So if I was running late or if I had to carry more stuff or whatever, I'd use my scooter and stuff like that. And an e-bike could in a lot of ways take the place of a scooter like that because it is peppy enough, does extend the range, does make it so you have to be less sweaty when you show up to work, all those kind of things. You can carry more cargo. So, uh, you know, like seven year back me versus current me is definitely more, um, has a harder stance on this thing. Uh, whereas today, like, I'm like, yeah, I think, I think I'm maybe. So we'll see. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is why we're doing a part two, right? That'll be interesting. And I'm not necessarily a huge e-bike advocate. I have an e-bike. I haven't ridden it in a couple of weeks because I really like my pedal bikes. And on the faster trails, I've been really enjoying riding lately. The e-bike would not be any kind of a real advantage. So mm -hmm. I don't want to be labeled as saying, like, I don't want people to assume e-bikes are taking over or anything like that. I just want to see folks accept them and understand they might not be for them. They don't have to ride them, but they are a very legitimate portion of the sport. And we push it away. We're losing a big opportunity. And if we work with it, we've got a, a lot of cool things can come from that. Yeah. So one last question sure. that I have Fire for away. you is you have a, a fair lineup of bikes mm -hmm. in your house, including uh, an e-bike. What... What does it take for you to choose the e-bike on a trail or a ride versus your standard bike? Like, when are you going to grab that versus your, your pedal bike? You know, my usage for the e-bike has been more pedaling up super steep hills and then bombing down super steep downhills. So for me, that's cardio because I want to lose weight, burn some calories, whatever. I've been doing it in the office straight for a week editing and I haven't been able to ride at all. So I need to lose some weight. So... That'll be one. And then the other is for skills, skills maintenance. Cause that's such as like the trails I'll ride at that are so steep and gnarly to get up there on the pedal bike takes so long. I can't do much, but if I can go ride those trails a whole lot in a row, then my mm -hmm. skills are going to be at tip top and sharp. And if I've got a big video shoot coming up in a week or two, then I will spend some time on the e-bike, just pounding out laps on the really gnarly stuff. So when I get to wherever I'm going, I'm not intimidated or scared or anything. I just feel on point with the hard gnarly stuff. So yeah, that's the two reasons why I'll, I'll grab it right. or I'll have something going on with the kid and I need to get her somewhere fast. 
Now, have you used it at all with Logan where he actually took the e-bike out because he's hauling, you know, 30 <laughs> pounds of camera gear and all that? No, we've done uh, the other setup where we've just started using a very small camera and a very light camera. Okay. <laughs> the one time we went out and shot the Taser e-bike video, I towed him up a few of the hills, but usually I'm that, carrying yeah. just as much of a load as he is with spare GoPro gimbals and everything and spare yeah. bike parts and tubes and pumps, shock pump. So usually our packs are somewhat similar weight. His might be a little bit heavier, but not a huge amount. Yeah, fair enough. Because that is one place where, again, um, I haven't done much in trail work since I've moved here, um, but I did a bunch prior to that. Um, it's this whole kid thing that's got me locked down. But uh, I, I did always kind of look at that Kona, what is it, the... Oh, man, I'm going to blank on the name of it. But it's their, uh, the remote. That's what they call it, the Kona remote. And I thought, man, that's so cool because it has like a rear rack for like a chainsaw mm -hmm. and shovels and all that kind of stuff. And like half the time when we're trail building, the just getting to the spot that you're going to work on is the hardest part. Oh, yeah. Because you're lugging out gear and you can only carry so much. And yeah. So I don't know, maybe as I dip my toe into trail building a little bit more in the coming years, uh, maybe that'll be my excuse for buying a, an e-bike that I can haul my kids around on, haul my trail equipment, et cetera, plus get out on the trails and I got to have an excuse is what I'm saying. I can't, <laughs> I can't just justify it. I need to I, take I you to like some I of these terrible trails that no one ever rides bicycles on because they're just loose baby heads everywhere, just like forgotten old mining routes old moto yeah. trails that you'd never even want to ride a mountain bike on. They're just miserable. Yeah. Like you really can't even ride them. Stuff like that. You can actually ride with an e-bike. You have that extra weight. So you're not getting bucked off. And with that extra torque, you can pedal through and power through a lot of the loose stuff. So that's almost a whole separate usage in the, the downhill e-bike that I talk about the most. So like these trail e-bikes that don't really exist yet with steep head angles, slack seat angles, like backwards geometry, I know, high bottom yep. bracket, be able to use that power as a riding tool to get through weird, funky, flatter trails. It's, you can make stuff that you'd never want to ride all of a sudden a fun, cool, different option. So for old school folks, I really like old school trails that no one really rides. That's kind of, yeah. I, I like that stuff. You can get away with some really wild adventures by using an e-bike through that. So Interesting. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your your future trail bike is going to probably come from the gravel crowd because they <laughs> basically are riding old school mountain bikes anyway, right? <laughs> like, it's just old school mountain bikes with curly bars. Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, and I own a gravel bike and I kind of built it like an old school mountain bike. So anyways, all right. Well, I think, I think that's probably a good stopping off point and we'll get back on this subject uh, in a bit. I'm going to go borrow some e-bikes from some friends here and see. And I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to do, um, you know, some trail e-bike stuff. Uh, and I'll probably spend a little bit of time on a commuter kind of cargo hauler bike cool. and see kind of just where that fits, just mm -hmm. so we get a good perspective. Um, but as always, uh, you know, thank you for listening today. If you have any ideas or questions or anything, you can always shoot those over to us. Um, and you can do that at s kendall at gmail or not gmail sorry at jensen usa i do have a gmail but it's not that just so you know <laughs> um let me give you my social security number and phone number while i'm at it um, 
No, uh, so skendall at jensenusa.com and jeffkendallweed at gmail.com. That's me. Gmail. Okay. Got a so contact your... form on my website and everything. Cool. And uh, you can reach out through there. Um, we are trying some new stuff with these podcasts, so we hopefully will have these up on YouTube as well if you actually want to see our pretty faces. Jeff is probably prettier than mine, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think that'll do it for us today. Yeah, let me know how your uh, e-bike rides go, but don't tell me too much. Save it for the next podcast. All right, all right. And I'm going to be trying out some new bikes uh, coming up as well, so I'll report back on the Occam for sure, and I think the HD5 will make it before we record that one too. Awesome. We'll see. Right on. Well, everyone, it's been fun chatting bikes, and thanks for tuning in. All right, keep pedaling.